0: I want to talk to you about something, and before I, before I get into it, don't be like, oh, I don't need that. Uh, this is, what is this going to be, like a feel-good message? Like, don't tune out yet. Hold on. Because <laughs> there's certain things that people hear it, and they're like, what, what, what is this about? Well, hold on. This is about you. This is about your life. I would rather see you living with the blessing of God on your life than the curse of sin and death, than sickness than disease, than striving, than strife, than anxiety. I would rather see you be like, yo, (laughs) I was actually overwhelmed by God yesterday. Instead of like, yeah, I just can't handle my life. It's like, bro, you live in a first world country. You got air conditioning, Wi-Fi, heated seats. It's not that serious. But... If you give place to things in your life, it will become that serious. So I, what I want to see, I just want to tell you because I'm stuck with you guys. So I want to see the blessing of the Lord on your life. Now, let me, let me just give you one, just a bit of encouragement. There's no mistaking it. When it's on your life, it's on your life. I don't know if you've ever seen someone who you know, you're like, wow, that person is actually blessed. Like there's something about this person that, and, and you, you know, it's always funny, people always try to calculate it. They're so like, I wonder why. How did he get that? How did she do that? How can they do that? How did he do that? How did that happen? What, what, you're, what you're not taking into the equation is the blessing and the favor of God. Because that changes things. Things are not the same with the favor of God. Okay? Okay. So I want to see this on your life. And I just believe it or not, the blessing of the Lord was not a prosperity preacher on TV's idea, just so you know, because people are like sensitive to that. But like, this was God's idea. The first blessing in the Bible proceeded from God. I don't know if you remember that. But he blessed, you know when he blessed? The animals and the fish, and he blessed them so that they would multiply so whatever God blesses he intends to multiply let me tell you about the curse whatever's cursed does not produce life and it is about division and death and strife and striving and death you go dang I'm living with a curse. Maybe you are. Maybe you are. Now, here's the good news. Jesus paid for that to be completely broken. But if you agree with a lie, you will empower that lie and it will bear fruit in your life. Here's where the most dominant thing happens. When you speak and when I speak, we are creating space for God to move into a situation or the devil to just show up. And many times, I'm telling you this, I was repenting of it last night. I'm not accusing you of anything. Many times we curse with our mouth with what we're trying to get blessed with our prayers. Many times we speak death and curses and we don't even know. We have been so accustomed to it that we have been so conditioned to it that that's how we speak. That is our default. But yet we're like, we're blessed, we're Christians, but everything is basically negative. And, it, and it's not, and I'm not talking about delusionally positive, like, oh, everything's great. I'm not talking about that. But you either agree with God and you speak that, or you agree with the enemy, and you speak that, and whatever you speak, you'll have. Come on. That's right. Now, the word bless appears 400 times in the Old Testament. 408 times, excuse me, in the Old Testament, and 114 times in the New Testament. Blessing was God's idea. The blessing comes from Him and comes upon you. This is important. God wants to multiply, excuse me, when God wants to multiply someone or something, he blesses it. You see it with the animals, you see it with Adam and Eve, you see it even supernaturally with the bread and the fish. When God wants to multiply something, whether it's natural or supernatural, he blesses it. This is a very, very important thing because the enemy curses things to divide them. The enemy will try to wedge his way into a marriage, wedge his way into a family. He will try to bring strife into a church when there's peace. He will always try to bring something in there that is cursed to speak death into something. This is important. Now, as humans, we have a propensity towards death. Proverbs says that the power, people always quote it wrong. They go, the power of life and death is in the tongue. That's not what the Bible says. It says that the power of death and life is in the tongue. And the reason that death is put first is because that's what most people will speak, is death. So people have been conditioned to speak in a way that is basically like a self-fulfilling prophecy, and they curse themselves all the time. Come on. Amen. Now, John Kilpatrick has the best teaching on the blessing. And so whenever you have time, obviously not right now, but like later, you, you, you know, you should check him out. He has, he, he breaks it down into three things in terms of when you speak a curse, how to break it. First, you repent of it. You ask God to forgive you. Then you renounce it. In other words, you cancel its assignment and you revoke it and you break its power and its authority so that it cannot bear fruit. So there's a three-part thing there that you have to you have to do that or the thing that you spoke six years ago it will still produce death in your life. Now this is why, let me say something to you, this is why what you listen to and who you listen to is critical. Because if all you listen to is people who speak death and people who curse and people who swear and people who speak negatively and people who complain and people who bear a victim mentality and that's all you hear all the time, what the problem with that is that it gets inside of you. Because that's where the enemy wants to live. He wants to live inside of you. So what happens is, out of the abundance of your heart, guess what happens? Your mouth starts speaking. So out of the overflow or out of the leftover, and you know what's leftover? What you've been listening to is always what is leftover. Right? So that's really important because what we listen to is also a thing that determines how we speak. You know this because when you turn worship music on, you start singing it. When you hear a song from back in the day that you know, you're like you start singing it because when you hear something it starts coming out of your mouth. That's why what you what you what you listen to is critical. People watch the news, watch the news, watch the news all day long, all day long. And I used to tell my grandmother, "You're killing yourself." Because all you're doing is watching negativity. And it's like basically the enemy's testimony over and over and over again, what the enemy is doing over and over. It's like Satan's testimony over. Satan's like, let me tell you what I did today. I destroyed three thousand families with a stock crisis. I did this. Da, 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 da. I killed 800 people in Africa with machetes. I did. And so you listen to all this stuff and you're hearing it and hearing it and hearing it and hearing it. And then you're like, oh, I'm anxious. Well, I mean, if anyone listens to that all day, I mean, I don't understand how you would not be anxious so this is, this is like, it's like supernatural if you're not anxious because you're poisoning yourself. It's like drinking poison. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be informed, but what you put into yourself is very, very critical. Okay? And I only say that because I love you. Now, money, you hear people say, she's blessed. He's blessed, which is a say away as a Christianese. They rich. <laughs> they rich, they got bread, however you want to say it, cheddar, rock stacks, money, whatever you call it. So they go, oh, they're blessed. But you know something? Someone can be rich and still cursed. So, so the m- money doesn't make you rich. That's broke. Money doesn't make you rich. I'm going to tell you again and again, money doesn't make you rich. I'm going to say it again. Money doesn't make you rich. This is what makes someone rich to God. The blessing of the Lord that makes rich and adds no sorrow. Paul the Apostle said that if you desire to be rich, you will be pierced with many sorrows. The desire to be rich will pierce you with many sorrows. And what people say is, I must be self-sufficient so I can serve God. I got to have all this money so I can serve God. What you're trying to do is serve God on your own terms, your own way. Serving God like that is of no use. You have to be broken and humble and you have to trust him. And if you think that somehow you're going to be self-sufficient and God needs you to build him an orphanage or a school or a house or a church, you have rocks in your head. What God needs is dead people so resurrection life can flow. People that are rich inside so that stuff doesn't have a hold of them. So when God looks at you, he goes, man, that guy is rich. Who calls you rich? Someone who's poor? I have a friend who's really rich both ways. And he was talking about a Nigerian billionaire. And he said, man, that guy is rich. And I had never... In more than 10 years, heard him ever say that someone is rich. And I'm like, dang, that guy must be really rich. <laughs> because I mean, he must be rich, rich. And he said, oh, this guy was rich. He, w- he came into the kingdom rich. He had the mentality of a winner from the beginning. Wow, come on. So money, again, doesn't make you rich. The blessing of the Lord makes you rich. Now, in Revelation 3, 17 and 18, the Laodiceans were a church in Asia Minor and they said this, that they, this was their opinion of themselves, they said, we are rich and increased with goods. In other words, we got stuff. Jesus goes, um, no, you're actually poor, uh, miserable, blind, naked, and wretched. And he gives five descriptions of how disgusting they are to him. Jesus doesn't talk like that. Read your Bible. Read your, most people have not read through the New Testament, and they have no idea the things that Jesus and Paul said, and if you tell them the truth, they will get angry with you. And that is how I know that you have no relationship with Scripture because you cannot handle the truth. That's why some people, you have to really hold back on them because they're not ready because they're not engaging with Scripture, so they're not ready for the Spirit. So you come and drop a pearl on them, but to the, it's, it's, it's unclean, it's not valuable. But you had to get it through irritation. You know how a pearl is formed? A dark place. Pressure, isolation, and irritation. And here I come with my valuable pearl that I had to be here eight years for, seven years, and I had to go through hell, and I come to you with a little pearl, and you look at me, Stank? That's why you don't don't throw it to unclean people and unclean things who are not ready to, to, to receive it. Now, what the Laodiceans were experiencing was the deceitfulness of riches. Jesus spoke about the deceitfulness of riches. And here is the deceitfulness of riches. They will tell you, without me, you cannot be happy. With me, you will be happy and they give us an inflated view of ourselves that is often incorrect. I'm just saying, the deceitfulness of riches says that you don't need anything because you have stuff. That was the seeing self-assessment. We don't need anything. That is self- Sufficiency. That is what many Christians are seeking. And once they have that, then they'll serve God wholeheartedly. (laughs) Yeah, okay. All right. So, anyway, now we're going to go to Abraham because Abraham is really where the blessing begins to go from a family to family of families and really begins to multiply. Now, God judges the world. Remember the flood? But really he was saving the world because if the world continued the way it was going, it would no longer exist. It would have destroyed itself. So God baptized the world, gave him a refresh and a reboot. And then he starts multiplying again through Noah and his sons. Now, one of his sons exposed his father and he was cursed and he became a servant as a whole on the message. But honor always will. dishonor will always curse you. People don't know that because there's dishonor in their heart, they're cursed. They li- Not because the blood isn't enough, but because there's dishonor in their heart, it curses them and it puts them in, in, a, in a realm of limitation where they can't get out. Because of dishonor. Honor always leads to promotion. Honor is not flattery. Honor is an expression of humility. It's seeing the value of someone, seeing what God put in them and on them and honoring it. And whatever you don't honor, you don't have access to. So people of dishonor always have relationships with people that are equal to them or less than them. Never to people that are greater than them. Dishonor. It's cursing and it's a, it's, a, it's a limiting thing. I don't need nobody. I did it my way, self-made. You're stuck. You're not self-made. You live in the vanity of your mind and no one is speaking any life into you and all you speak is death. You're, that, that is, a, that is a, a living manifestation of the curse. And then you know the curse is flowing too because whatever you speak to, nothing happens to it. It's dead. It's all dead. So this is, this is really important because let's, let me go back to Genesis. Let me read this to you because I want to show you God's heart because this is God's heart from the beginning. And I can't, I can't get beyond the beginning. But this is now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family, from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. So not only am I going to bless you, but you are going to become an embodiment of that blessing. In other words, where you go, the blessing goes. Amen. That was good. I will bless those. Here comes now. I like this part. I will bless those that bless you. In other words, let's say you're blessed, and I say, oh, man, Isaac is blessed. And God says, if I bless Isaac, I get blessed. Guess who I'm blessing? Isaac. Guess who we bless? The person who speaks death and lives under a curse. No blessing in that. God is not blessing that. God is resisting that. God resists pride. God resists pride. Pride will cause your advocate to become your adversary. So now I will bless those that bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. Now, I don't know about you, but this is, this is aggressive. God is saying, your enemy will be my enemy. He who opposes you opposes me. Come on. Amen. good news. <laughs> the worst thing you can do is hurt a real Christian. The worst thing you can do is speak death where there's life. The worst thing you can do. Follow the lives of people who curse people who are blessed. Look at their life. I'm not into that. I don't want none of that. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, here's the full intention of God. This is the good news. God is not like, oh, I love cursing people, just curse us so I can curse you more. God doesn't like that. Look at God's heart. God's heart is like, and in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Even the people who are living under a curse, speaking a curse, like the curse, tattoo the curse on their face. God says, I want to bless you. Come on, amen. All of the families of the earth. Shall be blessed. Now, here's the thing. This is wild. Look at God. God says, Okay, Abraham, you're not Abraham yet. You're Abram. And learning to follow me is going to make you Abraham. But right now, I want to talk to you. Leave your family so that through you, all of the families of the earth can be blessed. People want a blessing for nothing. (laughs) It doesn't, listen, it's not free. Oh, you thought it was free? Oh, you thought? Do you work forty hours a week for free? Sixty hours a week for free? How many hours a week do you work? Sarah's like four hundred. Huh? I mean, that's not free. The blessing isn't free. The blessing cost him something. It cost him comfort, feelings. I'm by my family. I have a sense of security. I have a sense of identity. I have my own little tribe. I got my own little spot. It cost him something. It didn't come for free. It When you're a pioneer or an entrepreneur, it costs you something. If you want to step out, And kick the devil in the teeth and break the curse that has been on your family for generations? It's going to cost you something. You want to see your kids get free of demons? It's going to cost you something. You want to see your marriage? It's going to cost you something. You want to possess your vessel for honor and have control of your sexuality? It's going to cost you something. I don't know who told you it was free or cheap. No, no, no. Grace is not free and it's not cheap. It's going to cost you something. In fact, it cost Jesus everything. So this free mentality, I hate it. I can't stand it. Free, everything's free. It's not free for me. And everyone wants free. And you know what free is? Cheap. Anyway. And I hate cheap. I hate cheap more than I hate free. Now, God wants you, this is the good news. Here, I'm, getting, I'm, I'm getting excited here. Somebody's excited with me. I don't know. But I'm excited. So anyway, God's heart, this is, I checked this word out in all the Bible. I was checking it out. I had a little list. I went Baptist. I had the list on this computer. This word overtaken, I put it in bold for you. God wants you to be overtaken with blessings. You know what happens when you're overtaken? You share. Isn't that nice? Yeah, you share. You're, you're like, you know, you hold people hostage because you're overtaken with the blessing of God. Or, you, you know, you buy two of something sometimes. You go, I'm so happy I'm not broke. I bought two of those. I don't, I don't need two of those. I don't I'll give one away. I remember one time I bought three pairs of one sneakers by accident by accident i just wanted one but i got three no so i I got three so then i give one the lord tells me to give someone a pair of sneakers and i'm like lord this guy has more money than me like a lot of money big money he has a lot of money he can put my house inside his house he's got money why am i giving him sneakers so I give him sneakers. I go to his house. He, he takes me downstairs to a room. The whole room, the whole room is filled with sneakers. The whole room. Wow. Like, like, like our buddy, like our cousin. So, so he, the whole room, he goes, oh, I don't wear these. I don't wear these. He gives me two pairs of sneakers. And I'm like, man. And those sneakers you couldn't get because they're not, they're not out. So you got to pay more. But it, my point is not about sneakers, it's always about obedience. Obedience releases a blessing. This is what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about materialism or things. I'm talking about when you obey what God is asking you to do, there is a blessing in it. When there is a blessing, there is a testimony. Guess what you talk about? A testimony. Right now, let's just say for example, let's just, let's just let's just let me encourage you. Let's say you walked home to your mailbox. Who has a mailbox? You got a mailbox, PO box, some sort of box. You go you go to your box and there was a check in your mailbox for let's just say $12,000. Let's just use that number, 12. I like that number, 12,000. Boom. $12,000. And you and you're like, "Okay, it's from let's say the US government." And you're looking at it like, is this fake? Is this real? And then, you know, because you know you're a person of faith. You know you move in faith. Since you're, you're faithful, you know you're faithful and stuff. You're all about faith now. All of a sudden, you're about faith. So you, you, <laughs> so you take your, your, you know, your little phone out. You make sure you're not on someone else's ghetto Wi-Fi. And you make sure that you're, you're good. And you take a picture. And then, you, you know, you, you, you deposit the check. Into your account. Everyone is happy now. I feel it already in the room. People are like. (laughs) And then then you look, and then there's $12,000 plus whatever you had in there, and it's active, and it's real, and it's yours. Immediately, you'll tell people about it. Immediately, because when you walk into a blessing, immediately the most natural thing to do is tell people what God has done. And the thing with that, and this, it drives some people crazy because they're, they're insecure or they don't, they think God is upset and angry and, and greedy and, you know. What can you do? What can you say to someone who goes, oh, I was blind, now I see. Imagine you tell a blind guy, oh, I don't believe that. <laughs> he's going to let you, like, I don't care what you believe, bro. I, I was blind, man. I, uh, I see now. He's going to have a level of boldness based upon what happened. Why? Because he knew where he came from. He knew his condition. He knew how he was, even though he lied to himself about it. He knew the reality before God stepped in. So God is like, listen, if I bless these people, these people are distinguished by my presence and by my blessing in their life. That is something that speaks, that speaks the world's language. The world doesn't get, oh, I was speaking in tongues for one hour in my, in my weight room. The world is like, who cares? But the world sees, oh, they're doing this, they're going here, they're building that, they're doing this, this and that. Oh, what's happening? Oh, now the world is paying attention. The world doesn't know about your, your journal and your feelings and your prophetic pain. They don't care about that. They care about what, what really happens in real life. You know, not in your feelings somewhere, but in real life, they're like, dang, there, <laughs> something's happening. So anyway, God wants you to be overtaken with blessing. Now, Deuteronomy 28.2, this word is used 23 times. It is only used once in a strictly positive fashion. The only other time it has any sense of positivity is when David loses everything. Remember when he went to Ziklag? He loses, rough day, two wives, not one, two wives, a whole bunch of kids, everyone, his men that are supposed to be with him, that by the way, he turned them into mighty men. They were indebted losers. And then they come with him and his crazy self and they become mighty men of valor. Now they want to kill him and they're against him. And they want to blame him. So he's totally back to the wall. He's got no help, no encouragement, no life group to go to. Nobody cares. And he had to strengthen himself in the Lord. Remember, Do you guys remember this story? And David asked this question, should I fight? Will I win? And God says, surely you will overtake them." That. So that's the only other positive way this overtake is used. And that is speaking about restoration of something that was taken from you. Uh, uh, So you will be overtaken. You will be able to take back what is yours. But God wants to bless you in a way that is aggressive. Now, I'm going to land in the New Testament because you're going to hear this. You have to hear this through the grid that includes suffering and difficulty Because if not, you mishear what I'm saying. And he goes, he's preaching the prosperity gospel. And you will miss what I'm actually saying. Because you will stumble over the word blessing. Because you don't know how valuable it is. Jacob knew how valuable it was. And he deceived his brother twice to get it. Isn't that good? Can I tell you something about God? This is God's, is, God, is, God responds to hunger. God would rather have a swindler trying to w- wiggle his way into the blessing than someone who's, I don't need that. I'm okay. I'm good. God would rather have someone who, you ever see someone who just throws himself into something? Like, this is like Jacob. He dresses up like his brother to pretend he's his brother so his father will lay hands on him and bless him. That's how powerful the blessing is. Now, here's the good news. The blessing of God is not limited. So it's not like, oh, well, now there's a shortage of blessing because the economy is bad, so now I'm limited on my blessing. So the blessing of the Lord is not limited to the systems of this world. I want to let you know that. Because the blessing of the Lord is of the Lord, not of the world. So the world can be going to hell, and God can still bless you. I want to tell you that. God's economy is not subject To the market. You have to emotionally detach yourself from the market even if you have investments in the market. This is what the Bible says. The silver and the gold is mine, says the Lord. You have to understand that God is the source of your provision. If not... You will have an ungodly relationship to people and an ungodly relationship to money because they will replace God in some manner in your life. And then you cannot serve them well. Okay, this is the heart of God. Deuteronomy 28. Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord, your God, observe carefully all His commandments which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. Because, watch this, you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body. Listen. It starts on the inside. It starts with the fruit of your body. The produce of your ground. And the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. So this is speaking agriculturally, economically. It'd be like saying, blessed are your fleet of trucks for they shall not break down. They shall not burn out. Blessed shall your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed when you go out. Hmm. That speaks to me. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee seven ways. The Lord, here comes, will command the blessing on you. Did you see first on you? On you and then and your storehouses. And in all to which you set your hand. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Here it comes. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he has sworn to you. And if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, then all of the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods, Plenty. Good and plenty. You ever remember ever good and plenties? You ever swallow like a whole thing of them? Too much. Good and plenty. Good. That's your portion. You got to start speaking to yourself. The devil's been talking to you too long. Good and plenty. That's my portion. Good and plenty. More than enough. Not how can I pay this? Where am I going to pay this from? Good and plenty. This is the intention of God. In the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, and in the produce of your ground, in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you, the Lord, watch this, will open to you His good treasure The heavens. Now this word treasure is treasury. Armory. You know what an armory is? An armory is where you store things for war. We are in a war. There is a war for your soul, for your family, for your children. This is not peacetime. This is war. This is not a game. The enemy place for keeps. There is treasury in the armory. There are things that you need for the war. In the storehouse. And I'm not talking about stockpiling ammunition and all that stuff. I'm talking about this is a spiritual thing that he is saying to them. But in in his heart, this is natural. In other words, he's not talking about, oh, you have spiritual gifts, spiritual war, and spiritual... He's saying, no, no, no. Watch what he says. Follow him. The Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season and to bless all of the work of your hand. But your hands got to work. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. I can't even step into this right now. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. Above only and not beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and are careful, cautious, sober-minded to observe them, so you shall not turn aside from any of the words which I command you this day, to the right or to the left, to go after other gods to serve them. So on the right, watch this, on the right and on the left are other gods that want us to serve them. So now, here's where, here's where we don't see it. When I choose to not obey God, I am serving another god. I don't tithe. Mammon. I'm anxious and I'm afraid. The spirit of Fear. On and on. I don't want to go. I don't want to go into all of them because there's so many other gods. Pick one. But that's the point. The point is another God wants you to serve it. That that's that and that read the whole next part. Cursed shall you be. The curse will overtake you. Have you ever felt completely overwhelmed? Most people are overwhelmed by the curse, not the blessing. And I'm telling you, if you would just believe me, I have experienced both. I promise you, he's my witness. I got a witness. I got several witnesses. The blessing is better. That was free. <laughs> free. I mean, just trust me, you know like I'm not asking for a lot of trust just, that's a little bit of trust here. So now let me because people are like, "Oh what, is, what, is, what about the New Testament? What, what, about, what about suffering? What about don't worry. Paul, Paul's going through hell. The, the, his, one of the worst things he went through. Is the daily burdens of the church? He says that that came upon me daily. If you don't know what that is, good. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> so anyway, it is doubtless. This is Paul. Not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who, fourteen years ago, whether in the body. I do not know, or whether out of the body, I do not know, God knows, such a one was caught up to the third heaven. He's speaking about himself. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows, how he was, come on, how he was, thank you, caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. You see that in the book of Revelation where John hears thunder speaking because in the realm of God, everything's alive and whatever's alive speaks. And God said, don't write that down. That's not for everybody. Not everything that you see or have or do is for everyone. Bless you. Of such a one, now nowadays Christians will be like, I'm going on TV. I'm going on It's Supernatural. I'm going on Sid Roth. I'm going to tell everyone what I experienced. Of such a one I will boast yet of myself, I will not boast except in my infirmities. For though I might desire to boast, like everybody likes to brag a little bit, I will not be a fool. You know who brags? Fools. For I will speak the truth, but I refrain, lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. Paul, we do the opposite. It's classic. We do um, uh, the, 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 the public persona management. Good angle. Get my good side. Make sure my sneakers are in the picture. Come on, please. He's like, wait, 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 I don't want you to think I'm greater than I am. Let's let's be clear about that. The opposite. Instead of like saving face, he's more concerned that you don't think that he's greater than he really is. <laughs> it's like the opposite of our world. Like, it's so wild. That's a man who is dead and alive to God and encounter Jesus. I mean, that, that's that's a different situation. So anyway, unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn was given to me. So Paul has so much insight and so much revelation that God says, "Mm, I'm going to have to do something, allow something to keep your feet on the ground. You ever hear an old song from 311? Keep my feet on the ground, keep my head in the clouds. Do you remember that song? Anyone know that song? Any white people here? Jim, you know that song? Thank you, Jim. I didn't catch it with the way you were singing it, though. Electrified by the down. So it's talking about. There's a metaphor there in that in that song, by the whites. Keep your feet on the ground and keep your head in the clouds. He's talking about other bad stuff, but that's how you need to be. You need to be on the earth but heavenly minded. Some people used to say in old school church that you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. Have you ever heard that? But I'm telling you, guess what? If you actually get heavenly minded, you might actually become earthly good. You might actually become useful if you renew your mind. Okay, we're almost done. Now, like us, Paul is like, I got this thorn in my flesh. I don't like thorns in your flesh. Have you ever had like a thorn or something in you, like um, a splinter? Yeah, ingrown hairs or whatever. I think I have something nasty on my back. So, and you know, you want to like get it out, especially if it's on your foot and all your weight is on it. And every time you walk, you're reminded of it. So, Paul, being a normal human like us, goes, Okay, watch. A thorn was given to me, a messenger of Satan. (laughs) Okay. Okay. A messenger of Satan. You're like, Yes. I understand what you mean. Okay, less okay, so the messenger of Satan was to buffet me. Watch this. Lest I be exalted above measure concerning this thing I pleaded with the Lord 3 times that it might depart from me. This is not your husband or your wife or uh, this is not what that is. I know that some of you may feel that but th- that th- this is something different. So what it is is not really the part that's actually most important. What is most important, he tells us. The Bible does not tell us certain things for a very certain reason. Watch what he says. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, this is classic. I know for sure this is Jesus. This is classic. My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Let me give you the translation. I am not answering your prayer. I am teaching you a lesson. (laughs) I know that this is the real Jesus. Because there's another Jesus who is like your genie. Your bless me genie. And when I'm talking about the blessing, that's not what I'm talking about. So he says this, my grace, my favor... My empowering presence is sufficient. Now, the word sufficient is to be possessed with sufficient strength. So, from His grace, watch me, there is sufficient strength. He could not have learned about that if the Lord would have removed what he was asking for. You only learn obedience through suffering. You only learn grace through weakness. If you are not weak, you have no reason for grace. You're okay. This is why some people are at a disadvantage because they think they're okay. Some of you who know you're demented are actually at an advantage because when you know you're crazy and everyone around you knows you're crazy, they give you a little slack, number one. But number two, when you ask God for help, there's grace there. There is not grace for pretending. Mercy is not for pretenders. Grace is not for pretenders, but there is, there is help. Now, he says, my grace is sufficient. In other words, you will be possessed with enough strength for you. Watch this. For my strength or my power, my dunamis, my ability is brought to telos or completion or accomplished in weakness. The word overtaken back in the Old Testament that we were focusing on, it has several meanings. I'm going to go to them for a second. I'm going to jump back there for one second because I want you to see something. Because we have a propensity to want to be self-sufficient. I cannot experience the sufficiency of grace in a self-sufficient attitude. I cannot be empowered by the strength of God if I believe I am strong on my own. When, When Paul tells them, he commands them, he says, be strong in the Lord. In the Lord in not in you in the lord we in this culture have a propensity toward self aggrandizement which is an inflated view of ourselves that is not accurate very damaging God is very merciful, and he will often give us a little revelation of ourselves. Yesterday I was mean with my wife, Cranky. I felt horrible, like I sinned against everyone in the world because she's so nice. What was God doing? God was giving me a fresh disclosure that Adam is not self-sufficient. Adam needs help. This just like group therapy on camera. I feel lighter. Because I don't want you to think I'm perfect. I need the same gospel that I'm preaching. I believe it. That's the one thing about me. I believe it. <laughs> Woo! So now, all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. Now we'll go back to overtake. And... Uh, me a second let's make this simple on myself we're in the habit of making things more difficult for ourselves okay all these things will overtake you boom to reach to be able to attain to be able to get to overtake To reach literally or figuratively. So now, the same context of the blessing coming upon you and overtaking you is the same context of grace being sufficient for you. Remember the blessing that first it comes upon you, right? And then your storehouse. Are you guys tracking with me? We focus on storehouse, 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 ah, money, 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 money. But you forgot you. The priority was actually you. Money's nothing to God. Money is something to you. Not to Him. So now do you know that it's a lot more difficult to get people together than money? Do you know how many disgusting people in the world can write an easy check and that's easier for them than to get five of us in a room together to actually pray? That's more difficult. It's more difficult to teach people honor and respect when they grew up in dishonor and competition than it is for a money to come through a, a bank account. That's nothing to God. To you it's something, not to God. So this is something because now this same blessing and this same being overtaken, be, being empowered, being able to go through something, it's still true in the New Testament. This type of blessing is not, oh, I got something for free or I got a scholarship, I that's awesome. This is something inward. This is something transformational. This is something that empowers you from the inside. this Your family needs this. If you look, you can see evidence of the curse. Dysfunctional marriage. Dysfunctional sexuality. Dysfunctional economic habits. You don't pray. You don't engage with other people. There's no accountability. There's no confession. There's no you, you there's, there's such a high level, and I'm not saying you, you, you. I, I mean that in our culture, the predominant way that people live is profoundly dysfunctional. That's why the world offers cheap counterfeits to make you functional, but never to transform you. And now it has seeped its way into the church, and the church is talking more about trauma than they are about transformation. They're talking about more about my truth than God's truth. They're talking more about, I can't believe what happened to me than the power of forgiveness. Come on. That's right. Amen. And these ideas from the world have now crept into the church. So instead of the church invading the world, the world has invaded the church. And then you tell the truth and then people look at you sideways. Oh no, I'm not apologizing for the truth. And I'm not mad. And I don't hate you. The truth is just the truth. Whether you like it, don't like it, it doesn't matter if I like it. It's still the truth. Speak your truth. Wait a minute. It's either true or it's not true. Now we have your truth. Your truth is a way to say that I don't want to be accountable to the truth, so I'll call it your truth. Oh, that's nice. Jesus worked for you. Maybe if you repent, Jesus will work for you too. (laughs) That's nice. Anyway. Okay. How to be blessed biblically. I want you to, believe it or not, I want you to be blessed. I've told you this a lot of times. It's selfish reason. I want you to call me and go, man, I'm blessed. I'm happy, man. I'm so happy. I can't believe it. I'm overjoyed. It's like, what do I do with this this type of happy? Some of you, that is so far from your mind, you don't even fully believe it's possible. Sitting here today, you can look at me and go, I don't see it. I know. I'm trying to cast vision. If you don't see it, you'll never have it. Never. Do you realize some of the men are here? We, Our feet were on the 148th floor of a tower in the heavens. Do you know that existed in someone's mind? that existed inside of someone before it came out. They didn't manifest it. Oh, you manifested a building. Oh, that's amazing. No, they didn't manifest it. They did this thing called work. They built it. Work is a four-letter word, I know. It worked. And they built it. And we paid an obscene amount of money (laughs) <laughs> to stand up there and go, oh, and take pictures like that. Eh. And they knew people would do that. They did it in faith. They worked by faith. Isn't that interesting? What's different about us is that our faith operates by love. We know he loved us, he gave himself for us, and so we respond to him based on that. Okay, I want you to be blessed. Here's how. Diligently listening. One of the things that I learned, I was speaking to the deacon about some of my frustrations yesterday. One of the most frustrating things is that I cannot help people who will not do what's right (laughs) themselves. So if you will not move toward what is right, I cannot help you. You cannot help someone who will not do what they know is right. You, I'm telling you, I don't care how strong you are, how rich you are, how intense you are. You cannot help someone who will not move toward what is right. Cannot. Most frustrating thing. You love people. You care about them. You you would jump through hula hoops so that maybe they would see what's right. You can't. Painful, very painful. Welcome to the fellowship of Jesus' sufferings. Welcome to seeing that Jesus was acquainted with grief. And it wasn't because of his sin, because he didn't have any. It was because of other people's irresponsiveness to the truth. Very painful, it doesn't go away. That has been more of a lingering pain in my life than even my own mother dying. I'm telling you the truth. People are like, he's a sick person. Well, I'm just telling you that that pain doesn't go away. You look at people and you, and you see. And you know that God's plan is. And it doesn't have to be that way. Wholeheartedly obeying. Wholeheartedly. Make it resolute in your spirit. I will obey God. God says this. I'm going to do that. I don't care how I feel about it. There is no other way. Now, the love of God, unconditional. God doesn't go, oh, well, Adam's being a good boy today. He said he was sorry to his wife. I love him more. No. The love of God is unconditional. The blessing of God is totally 100% conditional. He said, if you obey, you will be overtaken by blessing. If you don't obey, you will be overtaken by a curse. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want that. That doesn't sound helpful. It doesn't sound good. It doesn't sound like that's going to add anything. It sounds like it's going to take. A curse always takes. A blessing always. You shall be the head and not the tail. The lender. Not the borrower. Never give someone money that you need back. Don't do it. That was free. The blessing of God is conditional. Conditional. Sarah's giving me time. Sarah and Erica have cards. Erica put her down because of the baby. Sarah still has a card. It's like, when you do that, I feel like I just got caught eating candy. I'm like, so anyway, I'm like deflated, but, but, but here, here is the thing here. And then, and I'm going to end because here's the thing. You know what's frustrating about ending? There is no end. This is an eternal gospel. And, and, and it's like, no matter what you say, at the end of the day, here's the pain. You have a choice. I have a choice. I don't always make the right choice. You don't always make the right choice. But we can come to him for mercy. And we can find grace in the time of need. And that releases the blessing. And I guess also what I'm also trying to communicate to you in just a simple form is that God as a father is good and he has good things for you. And he wants that to be the thing that marks your life. Like I realize that many of our lives have been marked by sin, have been marked by tragedy, have been marked by abuse have been marked by pain. And, and I'm not minimizing any of those things, but I'm saying that if the blessing of the Lord comes upon you, that if God brings healing to your soul, that if God brings life to your womb, that if God, I'm telling you, that removal of that, that stain, that sin, that pain, that shame, it'll flee from you, and you'll be overtaken by the blessing of the Lord. And I want to just speak that over you. If you feel like, man, like I, 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 need, I need a blessing in my life. I just want you to stand up. I'm going to speak this blessing over you. And we're going, to, we're going to, this next few minutes is going to be active because there are things that you cursed with your mouth that you need to repent. You need to repent. You curse with your mouth. You need to repent. And I don't know what it is. Another thing, we're not going to be calling this church little no more. No more. I did not lay my life down for little. I laid my life down. My wife and I, we laid our life down. If someone came and gave me a quarter of a million dollars cash right now, it would not equal to the sacrifice that my wife and I have made. That's the bottom line. That's real, real life talk. I'm talking straight up right now. So we did not sacrifice for little. But we're believing for a huge kingdom impact. Huge kingdom impact in the nations of the earth and in this neighborhood. I don't I'm I'm not preoccupied by a building, by the by a size, a huge kingdom impact. Huge. I don't care. I'm talking about God's footprint in the sand where we are. That's right. So we're not going to speak little, small, dirty. We're not going to speak that. We have agreed with the enemy. I'm not agreeing with the enemy no more in no areas of my life. Come on. That's right. And I want to see the blessing of God on your life. I want to see wombs open. I want want to see miracles. Kids being healed and stuff. I'm serious. So, Father, I thank you right now that, first of all, you're a merciful God and that you forgive us. So, Lord, forgive us for speaking death and little and limitations and curses and complaining and negativity. Forgive me. Lord, forgive me. Thank you for providing this place. Thank you for the people that we rent from. Bless their finances. Bless their family. Bless the other congregation. Bless this building. Bless this community. Lord, we speak life over this community. I speak life over this congregation. I speak life over the marriages. God, I pray that you would sever our ties with death and with the curse and that you would produce resurrection life springing from our hearts, from our innermost being, out of our mouth, into our situation. Lord, that Everything that's crooked would be made straight. Sexualities, economics, ethics, marriages, families that every crooked path would be made straight. That every broken thing would be healed. That every barren thing would produce life. We speak life to wombs. That life, that that this would be, oh my God, we're pregnant. Life. And I thank you for the blessing of the Lord that makes rich and adds no sorrow. And I pray that it would be upon every life here, everyone who will watch, and everyone who will listen in the name of Jesus.